Okay, some simple questions off the top. Can I have you say your name and spell it for me? Christian, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, like the religion. Yeah. Yordanov, Y-O-R-D-A-N-O-V, like you had enough. <laughs> I do have an official title. It's very official. It is Chief Executive Head of Breaking Things. <laughs> also known as QA lead, quality assurance lead. So break it in all different ways so that the guys can rebuild it better and uh, faster and more agile and more robust. Oh, it's better if we break it than our users break it, right? <laughs> Would you consider yourself a digital nomad? Not anymore. Not since we got our dog. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> we are now. We are now. Um, uh, how do you say pseudo parents she's like a daughter she's like like literally like a child sit back relax grab your favorite fur buddy and get ready for the season finale of Digital Nomad we are back if you're new to Digital Nomad this is the story of how Zencaster was built. I recommend you rewind and go back to episode one to get the full picture of exactly what's happening in our story. But if you've been following us on this crazy adventure, you know that our founder, Josh, his wife, Lucy, and his new baby, Marigold, are currently hanging out on a very remote island in Thailand. So you launched with the paid plans and then how quickly after launching with paid plans did you guys leave Thailand? I mean, was it kind of like, we're launched, okay, honey, pack up your bags, it's time to go. <laughs> I mean, I think it was pretty quick, a few weeks. Okay. Yeah, six weeks, you know, more or less. I think we were not planning on leaving, but then I got pregnant. We went for like the 12 week checkup or something and they, the person couldn't find a heartbeat. But because everything was kind of translated, the woman was just like, there's no baby. And I was like, okay, like what? What do you mean? <laughs> like there never was a baby? Oh. There is not a baby now? And she's like, no baby, baby dead. And we're like, okay, yep, okay, cool. Oh my um, gosh. All right. You know, like when everything is like the worst it can be, it just becomes kind of hysterical that it's right. even possible that this is happening. <laughs> like, yes, yes. So this is always a, a difficult topic, but can you talk about the miscarriage at all or what kind of happened? Luckily, my mom was there at the time. Um, and so she helped us take care of Marigold. And oh my gosh, it was so, because actually mom was the one at the appointment with me. Josh was working on the other island. And she was basically like, live tweeting my miscarriage to everyone in our family like while we were because we were stuck on the island for the day after we had found out and so I was in the car with her driving her around and like showing her like doing kind of trying to do fun stuff and she's just in the seat next to me like oh yeah yeah well you know Lucy she's trying to be strong like in these phone calls and I'm like mom I'm right here like I'm what do you mean like what are you saying and she's like well you know she doesn't like to talk about these things but I can see and I'm like mom I can hear you like you're who are you talking to right now what is happening and then I think eventually we came back a day or two later and got a DNC in the 
hospital, but it, the hospital experience was so crazy. Like, like we were in a ward with all of these people that had just had babies. So uh, they, it's all in the same place. And we're just like, is this possible that it could be less oh my God. sensitive? But it just felt so funny at the time. I, I mean, that sounds so callous, but we re- were really not even clear, like, what we were there for. This nurse... <laughs> Um, was using Google Translate and she put what she wanted to say into her phone and and she showed it to us and it said, you will not live long. And like right at that moment, these people came in with like, it was on this like very narrow leather, like it looked like a kind of Silence of the Lambs style <laughs> gurney. And I was like, so I just get on the murder chair I guess and we've just been told I'm not gonna live but it all it all turned out fine but it was just like a combination of everything that you thought would be the worst case scenario happened yeah so that was a pretty interesting situation there were highs and lows for both Josh and Lucy while in Thailand but the time had come to say goodbye to the island and head back to the States. And that's about right. Cause I remember we, when we back, got back to the US, I was like, okay, I think we might be able to like pay off our debt and get, get start renting our own place. We don't have to live with my mom or whatever. Everyone, meet Josh's mom, Marianne. Your name's Sunny S U N N Y? Like the sun. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Yeah. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about Joshy. All righty. I think you're kind of blessed in the fact that your son, eventually, I know he was all over the place there for a while, but he did come back to Utah and he's right down the street from you, right? Yes, yes. Which has got to be nice. Yeah, he had never said where he was going to settle. I mean, he yeah. never said other than here. Okay. So I just assumed he probably would come back at some time. Okay. Which he did. I'm sure you really missed the family when they were in Thailand. How much interaction did you have with them when they were there? They were pretty in touch. You know, I would get posts on Facebook with them and uh, more Instagram, I think, than Facebook. You're on Instagram? Wait a second. Sure I am. Are you kidding me? Yes, of of (laughs) course. Daily. No way. Daily. Yes. And Facebook? And Facebook. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, they always send out these things saying how many hours you've been on. Like, I'm about three hours a day. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I keep in touch with grandchildren that way. They're in college or or my kids or good friends. Uh, I just taught my mom how to text message. We're still on the text (laughs) message. And she was very reluctant to learn that. Oh, I know. (laughs) I have to tell you a story about Josh when he was little. Okay. He was about three when we got our first computer. So that was like 1985 about. Uh And I was on the computer trying to struggle my way through, not not Word, but some whatever was on in 85. We had two double bunk beds in, in this room. And I was at the desk there doing something and I messed up and I went, no, because I thought I'd lost everything that I'd been doing because I'm just uh-huh. so new on a computer. Yeah. And I hear this little voice say, control, alternate, delete. <laughs> he was three. <laughs> <laughs> and I turned around and there he was on the top bunk 
watching what I was doing. <laughs> you are kidding me. I loved it. So I knew he was destined for greatness. <laughs> <laughs> Reversing keyboard mistakes at age three is pretty impressive. Fast forward 30 some years. Could Josh take his popular new tech company and turn it into a profitable business? We'll check in on the business side of Zencaster after the break. Hey guys, this is Josh Nielsen, the founder and CEO of Zencaster. Thanks for checking out our podcast, Digital Nomad, to learn more about the story of how Zencaster came to be. If you're a podcaster or are planning to start a podcast, I'd love for you to go to Zencaster.com and learn how we can help you record your podcast. Zencaster now supports remote HD video recording as well as studio quality audio to make sure you look and sound great. We also help you mix your videos together so you can quickly and easily post your episodes online. We give you a 14-day trial on our pro account, and our hobbyist account is completely free. And now, back to Digital Nomad. Trying to get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. So, um, what was going through your mind? So, you you launched the paid plans shortly after, you know, you're coming back to the U.S. Mm. Now, you're actually making income, right, from Zencaster. And mm. tell me what was kind of going through your mind and, and what you wanted to see happen kind of versus what happened. Or maybe that's the same thing. My financial goal was $15,000 a month. Amy Hoy, I think, is the name of the author of a book called 30 by 500, I think, is what it is. And it's basically an entrepreneurial strategy where you're not trying to like be the next Google. You're setting reasonable and achievable financial goals. The goal is if you can get 500 people to pay you 30 bucks a month, then you have $15,000 a month and that should be enough to give you relative financial freedom. And so that was kind of where my sights were. Maybe I should have charged $30 a month. Hmm. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> to answer your question, though, the financial goal is this $15,000 a month. The first month of the paid plans, we brought in about $12,000 in revenue. Wow. Yeah, that was very encouraging because I had just put a bunch of debt onto credit cards. <laughs> yeah. How much debt? Can you reveal that? How much debt you ended up? It wasn't crazy. I want to say it was about $60,000. Okay. Maybe less. I don't, I, you know, it was spread out over a bunch of cards. So, yeah, that's true. But it was high interest debt. And I'm not a debt person. I don't really like being in debt. And so it was pretty uncomfortable for me to do that. But I think also at that time, it was. It was super exciting, but it also meant that the expectations of the people using it went up and it was still just him for quite a long time after that. So I think it was kind of double-edged. Like it was so great to like feel that people were committed to it enough that they wanted to pay for it. But that also meant that they needed more from him. So who were all these crazy podcasters commanding Josh's attention? Well... I was one of them. All of my podcasts had been recorded in person, face to face with my guests. But all of that took a lot of coordination, money and energy. So Zencaster was a game changer for me. 
And I can recall several emails back and forth with Josh, and I'm not the only one. Stephen Hurley, I have an internet-based radio station that has a number of podcasts associated with it, but a 24-7 live radio stream as well. What's the website for the network? Voiced.ca, V-O-I-C-E-D.ca. And the purpose is to uh, really get people engaged in deep and broadened conversations about public education in Canada and, as it turns out, around the world. Without Zencaster, we would not be able to do what we do. So in the beginning, um, we would hit the on-air button, we would go live. I, my guests would be using Zencaster to connect, but I did not record in Zencaster. I used it as kind of a gathering space, as kind of a kitchen table. And then the podcasting thing, people started to come and say, would like to do a podcast and I realized that, hey, uh, there's more to Zencaster than just the ability to gather a number of guests. And so we do a lot of work in supporting uh, people in their podcasting journey. Yeah, absolutely. But it's totally different than most of the people that I talk to, which is really nice. Do you remember some of those early conversations going back and forth with Josh? When you um, got in touch with support, you got in touch with Josh back yeah. in those days. And I'm thinking, who is this Josh guy? Well, he's the guy, right? It's rare to find those, but when you do, you hang on to them. And so it, it's that kind of relationship that keeps me coming back. David Saltzman. Okay. And do you go by David or Dave or what do you prefer? I go by David. How long have you been podcasting, David? How far do you go back? Uh, I go back about six and a half years. And what got you into podcasting? I have a large presence in the employee benefits arena. If you've ever done any public speaking, you know that some folks will come up to you and ask questions. And so I went home and I thought, there's got to be a better way to get the word out than standing on a stage in front of about a thousand people, which at the time I was doing eight or nine times a year. And I thought, great, I'll do a podcast. And my immediate next thought was, what the heck is a podcast? The last time I did radio, it was me and Marconi and two Quaker Oats boxes and a piece of string. <laughs> right. If you have a message and you can deliver value, you have a way to get it out to, to a whole lot of people a lot easier than going traveling around standing on a stage. And that's how I got started. How did Zencaster come into the picture for you? Well, I've done enough audio work over the years, both in, in the radio studio and also production so that I understood that I had to have a way to record two separate tracks. This has always been an interview program, mine is, since day one. And you know the deal, when you've only got, when you've got everybody on one track, you're stuck. You can't do anything in post-production to fix a problem because if you fix A, you mess up B. And I was looking for some place that was online, that was easy to use, that would give me two tracks. And I found Zencaster in beta when I was just searching the web and thought, well, that's really cool. So I reached out to Josh, and we talked and, you know, we were fellow geeks under the skin. And he said, hey, you know, we're baiting this thing. Would you like in? And I went, sure, glad to help. And that that's how I found Zencaster. And I've been here ever since. I'm Ginger Weisman. And Ginger, how long have you been doing your podcast? We started uh, just over seven years ago. Oh, my goodness. Seven years is a lot nowadays. You know, you don't hear people saying that they've been doing the exact same podcast. I'm sure it's changed a little bit over the years, but still, you know, you don't you don't hear that a lot. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I had been a I still am a, a podcasting nerd. I, I was a fan always first. So I, I discovered podcasts in 2008 when I got my first iPod. Well, my first I, I anything. It was an iPod Nano. I thought, well, what can I use this for besides, you know, music? So I loaded up iTunes and 
got a few tunes and then discovered via iTunes, I'm sure, discovered podcasting. You know, it was like, oh, what are these? And now we've just published episode number 353. Wow. Now, I'm not as familiar with Outlander. As you were talking, I was doing some Googling. Okay, so I've, I've got to do some catching up here, <laughs> but I'm learning. At what point did you actually start using Zencaster? Because at that time, I don't think Zencaster was even around. So do mm-hmm. you remember first finding out about Zencaster? Yeah, so Summer and I, we lived very, very close to each other and we were able to, we had, I think our first mic was like a blue snowball. Isn't that everyone's (laughs) first mic? Pretty much. So we started with that, sitting at a table and recording and and through a Scarlet and her, um, her, either her computer or some laptop, I forget the setup. But anyway, that progressed. But then once um, I moved away, not too, too far, but it, it was no longer conducive to, or as easy to be in the same spot all the time. And then did you also start to use it for guests as well? Oh, see, that was actually the best selling point. What are some of the cool people that you've been able to interview through Zencaster for your podcast? Holy smokes. 353 episodes, Sunny. You gotta yeah. give me a second. <laughs> okay. So we've interviewed um, the, the author, Diana Gabaldon, the voice narrator for the series, Davina Porter. We've interviewed Ron Moore, the producer. I know because of the time I've spent with it, I have absolute faith and and I'm in love with with Zencaster. Well, that's a soundbite. I like to hear that. <laughs> well, there you go. The good news? More and more podcasters were using the product. The bad news? More and more problems kept popping up. Yeah, so so as more and more people were using the product, more and more edge case bugs started to come out of the woodwork. When there's only 10 or 100 people using something, a bug that only happens a tenth of a percent of the time is not that prevalent. But if you've got 10,000 or 50,000 or whatever, then these things start to become real problems. Sure. One of the things that I started to notice was like, there's just so many things to do when it's just one person. Like he's the developer, but he was also the customer service person and the every question goes here. And he was, I mean, even when we were in Thailand, he was constantly on Skype calls with people trying to help them fix things that weren't working or getting them to understand how their microphone works. There came a time where like it was too much stress for one person to hold, I think. I did an interview for... IndieHackers.com. I got reached out to by someone who read that article and he's like, hey, I really love what you're doing. I'm working on a project that works on similar technology and I'm looking for some contract work. Would you be interested in working together? And that was Andre. Remember Andre from episode two? He was the first person Josh hired to help with Zencaster. And there have been many more since. Voices from all over the world that you haven't heard from yet. All carefully chosen to help innovate and elevate the podcasting industry. Because that's what we do. We're Zencaster. We believe in the power of podcasting. And we're just getting started.